0: Welcome once again to another episode of The Wall Behind and Beyond. I am your host, Philip A. Jones. As always, we bring you personal perspectives from those who have been impacted by the criminal justice system. It is a part of our focus and mission to tell the stories which shape the lives of everyday people in the hopes that someone listening will take away something that will help them in their own lives. Today we have a guest who is the founder and director of the Lionheart Foundation. She is an educator public speaker, writer, and consultant. She is also the author of three books, one of which is The Houses of Healing, A Prisoner's Guide to Inner Power and Freedom. Her work centers around the development and implementation of programming for prisoners and youth at risk. Please welcome to the show, Robin Kasargian. How are you today? I'm great, Philip. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me on your show. Absolutely. It's so good to get you on. As I was telling everybody, I had actually um, took a course um, and got a certificate in the Houses of Healing. Um, it was an excellent read, um, and it also has so many principles in it that helped me out as I was struggling um, early on in my incarceration. So thank you so much for that.
1: Now, oh, that's great. I'm, music to my ears, Philip.
0: Absolutely. I want to get to it because I got some questions, and I know that it's going to be a great discussion. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and where you are from? Sure. I
1: grew up in the Boston area in a working class uh, community rights outside of the Boston city limits and um, spent the whole first part of my life there before I went off to uh, uh, go to college uh, in my junior year and um, and I think basically spent most of my adult life in the Boston area and that's where I live now.
0: Okay, okay. Yes. And how did you get into prison volunteer work? Uh, what was it that inspired you to want to help in a prison setting?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was giving a public talk on the topic of forgiveness, which is the topic of my first book and um, a woman came up to me after the talk and Said I teach a class on addiction recovery at one of the medium security prisons for men in Massachusetts, and what you're saying uh, about forgiveness would be so relevant for the men to hear. Would you be willing to come in and give a talk? And I'd never been in a prison before. I never really thought about going in, although I passed a uh, prison. Um, frequently, and I thought, sure, why not? That would be a wonderful opportunity, especially in the way, uh, from the perspective that I teach forgiveness, it, it just felt like an, a wonderful opportunity to go in. Um, said She didn't know whether more than a few men would show up, because it wasn't part of an ongoing class, and at 9 o'clock in the morning, I arrived at the prison over an hour from my home, and um, this particular prison, the one's much closer, but uh, expecting a few men and a 120 men were waiting for the talk to begin. And it was an amazing morning. Uh, And uh, people were very receptive, very responsive. And the woman who invited me said, would you come and teach a class, not just give a talk? And I thought, you know, I would love to do that. I had been teaching stress management in the healthcare setting. And and I was used to being uh, used to teaching. In fact, that was my original background as as an educator. And um, the second week of the class, I just said, this is a calling for me. I just loved it because I found the men in the group, it was a men's person, very responsive, um, just really kind of hungry for the type of perspective that I was offering in the the class.
0: Despite what people may believe, you know, um, a lot of men and women in prison, they are receptive uh, to such programs and such, you know, things or implementations that could be utilized uh, to make them feel in their environment less stressed um, and also how to cope. Um, because this is a high-stress environment. Um, And I like Mm -hmm. to say also that prisoners are one of the most vulnerable populations. So when you come in and you offer them something that can help them, such as tools for forgiveness, uh, many of us don't understand how being forgiving of other people um, also helps us to be healthier. So I'm so glad that you were able to recognize that and come into the facilities and help the men and women uh, in these type of uh, lessons, you know? Yep,
1: as I said, I found people enormously receptive and appreciative and uh, really like fungus. like people want to heal, they often don't have the resources and the direction and the guidance uh, to do that.
0: Speaking of healing, you wrote the book, Houses of Healing, which I have read and graduated from a program based on its principles. Um, tell us why you wrote it.
1: Well, um, after that first group, which again, I just you know really appreciated the opportunity to facilitate, it was really clear that the men were getting a lot from the program. So one class led to another class, led to another class. And I facilitated for about four years, and I had already Written of the book on forgiveness, so I had had that experience. I think, had I not had that experience, I may not have even thought to t- undertake writing a- another book. Um, but after teaching for about four years, I thought this is great, but I don't reach that many people. Maybe there's another book to be written to try to bring the spirit and the content of this work to um, incarcerated individuals around the country. And I knew I didn't want to take the time to write a book if I had to sell it to people behind the walls. I mean, I had no interest in doing that. So I thought, well, maybe I'll start a nonprofit foundation in order to raise the funds to give away the book to prison libraries nationwide. And so that's what I did. I started the Lionheart Foundation in order to... Support the writing of the book, uh, getting it published, um, uh, printed. I should say, because it was self-published through the Lionheart Foundation. And uh, now, between the book and the workbook and and the facilitator manual, there are over uh, over two hundred thousand houses of healing resources that have been printed, and about uh, probably one hundred eighty thousand that are out there in, in over over twenty five years.
0: That is amazing. And again, like I said. It was one of the best books I read. You know, I was dealing with trauma myself. Um, I was also mm-hmm. and still suffer from uh, PTSD. Um, and so when you when you combine um, these two things um, in a stress-filled environment, um, it's very hard um, to get your bearings under yourself. And so we need um, these tools. Um, and we are grateful, many of us, uh, for people like you who come in and help us to see um, that there is healing uh, to be had for people in my situation. So thank you so much for that again.
1: Yeah. It's, it's such a blessing for me, um, Philip. And and really, it just after I saw the response, it, it, I didn't even have to think about it. It's like it really was a calling for me in, in terms of, you know, there was a very strong wind at my back that said, this is where there's a tremendous need and, um, and you know, the there's, I have something to offer, you know, and I don't take it personally. I mean, I had something to offer. It's like, just, just an enormous grace of certain concepts and perspectives and opportunities that have come into my life that kind of the wind at my back that kind of pushed me in the direction of, um, writing the book and starting the foundation and, um, you know, and one thing just led to another. And and one of the offshoots of the work, which is another awesome thing, is that we had uh, a juvenile facilities coming to Lionheart and saying, oh, we want to get houses of healing. And I thought, this isn't written for a 14-year-old or 15-year-old. This is written for, you know, uh, adults and um, at least people that are 19, 20. And, um, So I joined forces with my niece, Bethany Kassarjan, who's really a brilliant psychologist, and her passion was working with high-risk adolescents. And and she wrote the book, Power Source, Taking Charge of Your Life. And that, it's an evidence-based program for high-risk adolescents that now is uh, the central curriculum for a number of departments of juvenile justices around the country, and so one thing led to another, and then that led to um, a, a book and a program. It's not only a book. It's a facilitator manual. We did professional trainings. It really led to many other things for uh, at-risk teenage parents. And um, so that's another area that Lionheart Um, has developed curricula for.
0: Thank you so much. That's excellent. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking those are very, very um, needed and necessary uh, programs uh, that can serve a lot of people in my situation because I always try to figure what more can we do. Um, But what I want our listeners to take away is that men and women in prison are not bad people. That's what they say, um, hurt people hurt people, and what they really need is healing. And so when we are able to give them ways uh, to go about restorative means of justice and um, trying to figure out what went wrong and to change some of those things or to heal from some of the, the trauma that has been done to them, we find... Uh, that they are really amazing people and they go to they go on to do great things so I, I take that away from all the work that you're doing to assist uh, and I had you had answered um, what the Lionheart Foundation is already uh, but if there's any more that you want to add uh, to the Lionheart Foundation please feel free to do so.
1: Well uh, one of the things that we Lionheart has had the opportunity to do over the last 10 years or so and it's been so awesome for us is we've been the recipient of eight what's called innovative grants from the California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation and our very first grant from them gave us the opportunity to offer the houses of healing program to men in solitary confinement or what they call the SHU the special housing units in California so we um, sent the book and every week for 13 weeks we would send them a lesson and I thought but over 400 men went through the program during that grant and it, it was just great and I saw that the program was really having, I would say, a life-transforming impact for quite a few people. You know, people just need to, as you say, Philip, and it's certainly my experience. You know, we, that people are fundamentally good, decent beings, and then they have experiences in life which, you know, put them on a certain paths. And but if you can support them in getting onto a path of healing, I think. I think we all crave to, you know, know the goodness within us. The the fundamental um, philosophy, psychology in Houses of Healing is that at the core of everyone is a good, decent, uh, you know, person filled with potential.
0: Oh, absolutely, most definitely. I, I like to, instead of saying crime and punishment, I like to say crime accountability and healing uh because if you could mm-hmm. do those three um there wouldn't be no need for punishment because punishment doesn't mm-hmm. do anything um but further damage people and and they can't go back and restore anything because they're they're traumatized so right. we'll pick up on the other side um of this discussion uh with Robin Kasargian in a minute Thank you all for listening subscribing and sharing my podcast here are three ways to help me today consider donating if you can to my GoFundMe for my freedom efforts. You can find that by typing in incarcerated lives matter, Philip Alvin Jones on GoFundMe. Subscribe today to my YouTube channel, The Wall Behind and Beyond. Comment and share. We are on our journey to a thousand subscribers. We can do this. Visit GrantParodafillip.com. It's a one stop shop that has my direct contact info and awesome social media sites. Please get in touch with us if you'd like to help in any way with Team Phillips. Thank you, and keep listening to The Wall, Behind and Beyond. We are back to resume our discussion with Robin Kasargian and I want to ask, uh, what are your thoughts about mental health in prison?
1: Well, I'm no uh, expert on that. Philip when you say do you mean what they provide to help people or you know my i'm not in there from a kind of a mental health perspective as much as a psychoeducational offering um you know clearly and and i've never been a prison employee i've never worked in the prisons I've, my work has always been uh from a volunteer um perspective. So I am no uh, expert on, uh, you know, the mental health offerings. I'm sure that there are many people in prison who have great mental health needs in terms of real, you know, some professional support and guidance and intervention. But again, my work has been, and, and many of those individuals can certainly benefit from, you know, from Houses of Healing because, you know, everybody can, uh, if they ha- they have the ability, can benefit from, say, emotional regulation work, like the meditation and the relaxation. And, you know, it really depends where they are when they, when they come to this type of thing.
0: I understand. I-, I was only thinking in terms of ideas that may be uh, helpful to focus on because until we are able to change some of the focus as it relates to men and women who enter prison uh if we don't deal with the first part of their problem which is their traumas then we we're moving them backwards we're going at it from a back to perspective as in terms of uh going forward so i was just thinking in terms of ideas and uh suggestions but you're doing you're doing so much with what you do um that's that starts them on the path to the right uh direction
1: yeah, and as you pointed out before, like a big part of the uh, the curriculum, the the programming is um, trauma work, which uh, very often, you know, falls under the kind of the umbrella of, of mental health. Like I say, how do you come into the world as amazing being filled with potential, you know, and end up a drug addict and in prison? What happened along the way? There, there mm-hmm. was all, in all likelihood something, series of experiences or whatever, that you experienced that led you onto that onto that path, and you know that in combination with poverty and not getting the right social support, you know, with the program starts off with uh, the first one of the first chapters is who are you really? You know, how how do you, who do you think you are, and how do you understand yourself? Do you believe yourself to be somebody filled with enormous potential, and how do you uh, how do you get, tap into that? potential of wisdom and um, peace and being able to make a positive difference in the world and be able to heal emotionally.
0: Absolutely. Um, How you see yourself, it definitely determines how you show up in the world. And so Mm -hmm. um, what you said is very important. And I think that that was um, very fitting for the opening of the book uh, because we had to go back and examine that. What what was our original values? Who were we um, and what what went wrong? And how did we end up uh, where we were that day, you know, in that particular time? Uh, So thank you so much for pointing that out. Is there a correlation, you think, uh, between drug addiction, criminal behavior, and trauma?
1: Absolutely. I I think there's no question about that.
0: Uh, I think that a lot of uh, individuals
1: who have um, drug issues and, and certainly involved in Criminal behavior have you know have have a lot of early trauma, and I, I think that's and I think that's kind of indisputable, really. And so to create an environment where people can begin to really heal from these issues and um, and just learn how to become more emotionally literate, you know, like uh, some of the um, uh, the chapters in the House of Healing book are like um, anger and resent the myth of power. You know, how can we deal? How can we recognize how we've related um, how our anger gets triggered and how we have worked with that in the past and see some options for seeing the world in a different way where we're much more in control of our emotional life and, and uh, deal with our, you know, our grief and our sadness that often we use drugs and alcohol to just numb out and when then we don't kind of have to deal with them in any kind of explicit way because we don't know how to. how do you learn um, the the tools and the skills? Um, you know, again, it's, it's really becoming just like you learn to read the written word, this is you learn to read your own emotions and work with them in a conscious and a thoughtful way, so that you have your emotions and your emotions don't have you. You have anger, you're a human being, but your anger doesn't dominate you and take you over so that there you can't exercise control and insight into it when it arrives, so that you're really more the master of your fate.
0: Anger is a reactionary uh reflex that come from conditioning um but what i what i've come to understand is that it's triggered by a lack of control especially in a prison setting uh you don't okay. have the ability to control um certain aspects of your life and so you get frustrated and then that frustration mm-hmm. becomes anger. Um so I mm-hmm. I I suffer just like many others from that exact thing, but I know at the end of the day it's human. What we have to do is learn how to regulate it through our practices and through uh, some of the, the, the habits that we replace uh, with the ones that we've been conditioned with to start with. So that is, I think, a, a topic for a whole other discussion because how do people um, deal with that? Some do meditation. I think meditation is an excellent tool uh, to use in order to regulate your emotions and your anger. Yeah,
1: well, I would cer- I would certainly uh, agree with that. And then, and, you know, learning perspectives, like learning how to forgive. And, you know, that's Like we hear, oh, you should forgive, you know, we hear these words from when we're young, but what what does it mean? How do you bring it from some kind of lofty ideal into a practical grounded strategy that you can actually integrate into your life that returns the power to you where you don't have to, um, you know, just be kind of a victim of your own emotional reactivity. But you choose to see things in a way that return the power uh, to, to oneself.
0: And this is exactly why we have to reprogram our our brain. Because the brain tells us that, oh, this person is doing something to us intentionally. Oh, this person is trying to undermine um, what I'm trying to accomplish. That's the brain saying that. Uh, But that is not the reality. And so once you start determining that, then you can easily overlook or have patience with others um, who may not uh, intentionally be triggering you uh, to what you consider to be something that's against you in anger. So our, our brain has to be reconditioned and reshaped, and this is going on into the other uh, part of the discussion, which I'm um, probably going to be having pretty soon to back up this, is that it's all about therapy and thinking, what is causing this? How do I fix this? And start practicing it, because after you practice something for a while, that becomes your new habit. And so I am myself in the process of trying to you know, balance out so many years of incarceration with uh, how how will I react uh, to others um, who may at point at some time Uh, make me feel some kind of way. You don't have to respond um, and be a reactionary. You can take the time to breathe and think uh, before uh, responding to a situation. Amen. Thank you. you. Um, So we did cover this a little bit in the beginning, but I would like to um, go over it again. Um, What is your organization working on presently? Uh, What more do you think can be done to help men and women who are suffering or are experiencing mental health issues inside? Uh,
1: Well, what we're doing, one of the things we're doing, which hopefully you'll have many people in uh, you're in Washington right in in the state yes uh, you know and hopefully people all over the country very soon one of the things that Lionheart is doing is creating um, the houses of healing program as a learning management system that will be offered on tablets throughout the country and Yes. And so you, to make it even much more accessible now with the book and the workbook or what, you know, the facilitator manual, you know, only a certain ne- a limited number, of e- even though 200,000 might sound like a lot, you know, that's over tw- 25 years and, you know, people come and go in the system. But if it's on tablets, it really gives everybody the opportunity to be able to participate, who, um, you know, who can read at, say, a sixth grade level or so, and who has the desire to participate in the program. So that is a big focus um, of what we're doing right now is to um, get that. It's taken Lionheart's to psychologists, the better part of a year to get this program onto a learning management system in a way that will be engaging. Uh, it's not like just like putting a book on, you know, a, uh, an e-book on there um, in the videos, but really a, a creating a comprehensive program. So and then we'll do that for our youth program as well. So the, that's, again, that's a big focus of what, what the Lionheart Foundation is doing right now.
0: I think that's an excellent um idea. Um these tablets are accessible to everybody now um mainly all over the country, but it's the content that uh that is most important. Uh what can you access? What can you um what can you look at? What what type of manuals are on there? Like you said, it's bigger than e-books, uh, but making it interactive—you know what I'm saying—and they have the ability to do that. We're learning every day right. that the uh, the technology um, through JPA, Curious, and all that is starting to get better, and we we are glad that you guys are working on um, that comprehensive uh, model. Uh, that we can all take advantage of um, on our chat. Yeah.
1: Tab- yeah, you know, we, when we're on there, it's like it's the prison systems that pay for that content. It's not the individual incarcerated person. Like the the incarcerated person pays if they want to do telephone calls and emails and that type of thing. But they don't pay for the, at least for our program, they won't be paying for the programming. It's the system. So it will be available to everyone. But one thing I feel really strongly about, and we're just at the beginning of this now, and am not 100% sure how it would play out, that we really hope that the prison systems will incentivize incarcerated individuals to participate in this kind of programming. You know, give them good time, give them time off their sentences, give them, you know, really support them in wanting and being incentivized and being inspired to participate in programming. If they'll do that, we feel like, you know, many more people would be willing to check it out. And that once they check it out, you know, they begin to see that there's something in there for them.
0: Well, that's exactly right. And um, I'm so glad you pointed that out. And that's why I'm a consultant. Because what you were saying, incentivizing. See, that has to be something that's put into every aspect of being a staff person within incarceration. Because if you have, you have to think in terms of a of a life coach as opposed to an authoritarian. Uh, because if you think in terms of a life coach, you will come up with different strategies to to like you said, incentivize and make people more enthusiastic about taking programs as opposed to watching movies or playing games. But if you don't have mm-hmm. that skill set, uh, then there's a lack there. And um it takes longer than is necessary. So I think that right. life coaching helps to to push people in the right direction so that they can do better.
1: And you know, one aspect of the curriculum which I'll just throw in here <laughs> as we probably have to come to a close before too long Is one other aspect of the Houses of Healing program that I didn't mention, a part that I think is really also very important to the program, which is the whole victim-offender impact piece, that if you help people, you know, restore their own dignity by really taking responsibility for offending behavior and helping them develop empathy and understanding about the impact of their actions... On themselves, on their families, you know, on others—if others were involved, um, uh, you know—it just it restores people. That's why they call restorative justice versus, you know, a more punitive type of system. It restores people to their natural, you know, integrity potential. Um, you, you were saying it before, um, Philip, and I thought that I wrote it down because I thought it was beautiful. You said. Uh, rather than crime and punishment, crime and accountability and healing. And part of accountability and healing is really very, looking really uh, honestly at um, the whole issue of victim-offender impact. And so when you and then one other aspect of the program, which kind of brings it all together, is spirituality. And spirituality in my, as you may recall, in houses of healing, it's called spirituality. Finding the faith that sustains. it's not saying believe this or believe that it's just open up to that there's more than you know what meets the eye wherever we are just as you are
0: philip thank you all for listening subscribing and sharing my podcast here are three ways to help me today consider donating if you can to my GoFundMe for my freedom efforts. You can find that by typing in incarcerated lives matter, Philip Alvin Jones on GoFundMe. Subscribe today to my YouTube channel, The Wall Behind and Beyond. Comment and share. We are on our journey to a thousand subscribers. We can do this. Visit GrantParoderPhilip.com. It's a one stop shop that has my direct contact info and awesome social media sites. Please get in touch with us if you'd like to help in any way with Team Philip. Thank you, and keep listening to The Wall Behind and Beyond. We are back with Robin Kassarjian, Um, having the most powerful discussion. So many great things to come uh, from this most important discussion. What would you want our listeners to take away from it most?
1: That's a great question, Philip. I would just say, um, do your time, don't let your time do you. Um, and and doing time means making conscious choices about the way you spend it. and do what you can to really get to know yourself in the you know in the best sense of that word. you know, to know that that core of goodness and and uh, power. Uh, that you have within you, that the world needs you, it needs you to heal, your families need you to heal, um, your life will be much happier and more peaceful by participating in your own healing process. Seize the day. Participate in programming. Read things that are meaningful. One of the one of the um, concepts that is taught in houses of healing, which I love, is still novel for most people. Is this idea of forgiving on neutral territory? By neutral territory, meaning you're you're kind of forgiving somebody that you don't even have a grudge against. And one might understandably say, "Well, what do I need to forgive them for?" And in this i in this concept of forgiving on neutral territory, it means I. Uh, Love this. It's seeing the light in sh- instead of the lampshade in people. That when you interact with people, rather than just seeing the personality and their out of form and what they look like you choose to see that fundamental goodness in them. You choose to see that light in them. And every time we choose to see that in another, we reinforce that reality about ourselves. So it's like interacting with another person is a gift. And you know what? This isn't just a message to people who are incarcerated. This is a message to, uh, to myself, first and foremost, in a way, and to others, that we have this opportunity in life to just become... You know, rather than constricted and fearful and stressed out, we have this opportunity to become more and more understanding and aware and expansive and open hearted and as a result, enjoy life a whole heck of a lot more and, um, you know, and make a positive difference in the world.
0: Thank you. That is Wow, that is powerful advice. Um, and what comes to mind for me is that every single person that I come in contact with, what I do is I take on the good qualities. I try to implement the good uh, parts of their personalities and leave the other parts if it's not something that's conducive uh, to what I'm trying to aspire. And so I think that everything you said was spot on, and I'm glad that you said that. Uh, We definitely must do our time and not allow our time to do us. And it's about choices. It's about decisions. It's about doing the work to make yourself better and whole again because we don't want yeah. to send broken people back out to society.
1: But there's where I think that the prison system has a tremendous responsibility that in many places they aren't raising to the occasion, which is if you have low self-esteem and you don't see options and you have a really constricted way of seeing the world, you need to be given incentives to, and, and opportunities to expand the way you see the world and to grow and to heal. So that's why I say that incentivization of, of meaningful programming is so important, because when you, when the system offers that to individuals, sometimes, you know, they'll choose it just because they want the incentive, not because they particularly want to grow. But there may be, you know, some some light in there, some, you know, spark in there that has them Shift And what you really want, of course, is you want people to have a, a real, uh, as you have had, Philip, a real transformation, not just, um, you know, see things a little bit differently, but it, really a fundamental shift in the way that we understand ourselves and understand others and understand the world and see the potential in the world. And, you know, again, really know that we have every individual has the capacity to um, to really make a positive difference in the world. But if they, if they don't know who they are, that, that possibility is not an option for them.
0: For sure. That's powerful. Every person is motivated to change for different reasons. Some people might not have family. Some people might not have children. Some people might not have the desire to get back to society. And so when you talk about incentive, that may be the reason uh, that will make somebody go on their journey for, towards transformation. So. Thank you so much for pointing that out. That is a powerful thing to consider. Incentivization will help those in areas that might not help others, and so we need to be able to recognize that. Um, how right. Can, and just for I'm, the purpose of
1: public safety, incentivization should absolutely be built into everything. Because if you're if individuals who are incarcerated are going up back out into the world, and right now, like I don't know, something like over forty percent are rec- are recidivating. There's something wrong with Picture. They Absolutely. obviously weren't changing adequately in prison to be able to hold on to themselves in the in the you know in the in the best sense of that word self when they got out.
0: That's exactly what I say. Uh, corrections officers slash life coaches. That that right there alone mm-hmm. would motivate and, pr- and promote change and promote a uh, different environment. So how can someone learn more about your work or get involved? Um,
1: well, the best way to learn about it is just go to the Lionheart website. Uh, I actually, I think we're putting up a new website very soon, um, but uh, but it's basically the same, you know, a lot of the same, very much the same content, uh, and that is uh, www.Lionheart, one word, the animal and the body organ is somebody I know you'd always say. Lionheart dot org and and tell us all about Lionheart's work and what we're doing and how people can contact us if they want to.
0: Thank you, I appreciate you, Robin, for coming on and sharing your insights. It was an amazing interview, amazing discussion, and I know that. Those listening will take something from it uh, and also be encouraged um, that we can uh, make a difference. That is it. We need support. Uh, We need people to believe in us. And like I always say, I couldn't do any of this without the powerful and supportive team that I have surrounding me. Um, And that makes all the difference in the world. So, again, we Mm -hmm. thank you for coming through and sharing your insights and your understanding and also some of the most great work that you have done uh, that made such a difference across the country country uh, and maybe across the world. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for the invitation. It's just been a, a great pleasure and an honor to be on your show.
0: Oh, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Uh, We want to be updated on everything you guys are doing, uh, and if we can help in any way, that's what we're here for. Excellent. Thank you. As always, I want to give a special thanks to our listeners for your continued support of The Wall Behind and Beyond, and if you haven't already, I ask that you go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Wall Behind and Beyond. We want to be able to notify you every week when a new episode drops so you get exclusive access. Also, share the episode that you like with friends and post our links on your socials. You guys are the show and as we grow we will bring you more quality content remember i am because we are if you want to get a hold of me direct i can be reached via email at www.jpay.com 881507 washington state take care everyone and be well